Hey guys, welcome to the JAV show. This is Viv, and I will be your host today for the podcast. This week we're doing another solo podcast where Alvin and I will have our own takes on the same questions and we'll run you guys through our thoughts and opinions. This week, Alvin and I decided on having three questions. We wanted to have some questions that could tell more of a story and invoke more of a controversial opinion. So we picked these three questions out specifically, and I hope you guys enjoy. The reason why we're doing a solo podcast this week is because it's been a little bit busy and Alvin's gone away to, he went to Spain and he went to, not Japan, (laughs) went to Spain and he went to the Philippines. And so in order to make up for that time, we've recorded a few double podcasts and we thought that a solo podcast would be a great way to follow up with that. Now, to get started, it's been a while. I feel like because we've been recording a lot of double podcasts lately, feels like it's been a while since I've updated you on what I've been up to since I haven't been traveling. Let me just check on my calendar. Okay, since we've recorded last I've had a few really good nights where I've gone out to dinner and had girls night with some of my friends. So some of, I was supposed to go to Kelowna with some of my girlfriends back in August before all the Kelowna wildfires happened and canceled our trip. And it was a really big deal in a way because this group of friends, it's kind of hard for us to all get together because some of us live out of town and we all work slightly different jobs where the hours are like different. Like some people work night shifts, some people work shift jobs, some people work nine to fives. So it's hard for all of us to get together at once. So that trip was supposed to be kind of a big deal where we would all be able to hang out and really enjoy each other's company for the first time in months. But since that didn't happen, we've been trying to plan regular girls night. And within the last couple of weeks since I've recorded, we had one of those girls nights and it was just so nice to catch up with friends and talk about how everyone's doing and have really nice heartfelt conversations and a really good night really some of my friends came and were in town that weekend so it worked out perfectly we all went to go eat cactus went to go eat at cactus club and we ran into two more friends that also know all of the girls so it was just a really good night in general made lots of laughs and lots of really good memories I also was able to meet up with one of my other really close friends. She, I would have her as one of my bridesmaids in the future if I ever get married, and I was one of hers. So I went out to dinner with her and some of our friends, but the reason why I want to highlight her specifically is that she had such good news to share. They're pregnant, and... It's kind of crazy when you see a friend that you grew up, you've grown up with, reach this milestone of, holy shit, you're fucking pregnant. And you guys are going to start a family and everything. And it's absolutely berserk hearing that. Because for me, I see her, I used to call her my twin, actually, even though if you see us now, we look nothing like, act nothing like. But it's kind of crazy to see that change happen with people that are so close to you and so it was really nice catching up with her I say catching up but I do see her decently often talking to her and having that dinner and spending some nice quality time with those friends I also did 
man, it feels like the last two weeks I've been really, like, going hard at, not going hard, I've been able to spend time with those that I'm really close with, because I did also have a full day with one of my best friends, or the best friend, Carmen, where we spent a part of the day tattooing my brows. She has a brow business called Beauty Artistry Studio. If you guys want to check her out, she's on Instagram. She does nano brows and lip blushing. It's permanent makeup. And she did my brows. I've been waiting forever to be able to book a time in with her. And we finally got around to doing it. I'm so happy with how my brows turned out and the whole experience and everything. She told me about how it could hurt when you do the first pass over for when you're tattooing the brows because you have to do a couple passes over the brows. And she does not numb the brows when she does the first pass. And at first I was like, mm, I feel like I have a relatively high pain tolerance, so I'd probably be okay with it. But you know, it's on your fucking face and your face has so many nerve endings and it is a tattoo gun. So I thought, huh. Like, I want to think that I have a high pain tolerance and I'll be okay. But because I've never tattooed my face before, maybe I'll fucking hurt a lot. I did tell her, though, that sometimes I have this bad habit of picking at my face. If I see, like, an acne coming in, I'll use one of those... What are they called? Extractor tools. And one of my extractor tools has a really sharp needle on the back of it in order to like pierce a closed colonoscopy or a pimple that hasn't fully opened up yet ready to pop. Sometimes I will literally stab my face with that needle and hear a little pressure pop and it's so satisfying but I know it definitely scars my face and I definitely have like acne scars from it but it is so satisfying when I'm able to just clear out my pores or all that stuff with. Anywho, I did tell her that I do that and that when I do that, I feel absolutely no pain or I can tolerate the pain of that completely fine. So I thought maybe, maybe the tattoo brows won't hurt at all. And actually, yeah, they did not hurt. It was so satisfying, guys. If anyone ever gets, if any of you listening ever gets the satisfaction of doing your brows, like when I say doing your brows, I mean plucking your brows or threading your brows that pain or that slight stinging sensation is so satisfying to me and it feels the exact same when you get your brows tatted at least during the first pass and they're not and when she's not going in and going over the same spot again and again with shading the first pass so satisfying and then the rest of the process is completely completely easy because after that, she puts numbing cream on my brows, and I absolutely cannot feel a thing. Like, I thought originally that I wouldn't feel any pain, and that's it. It would just be the absence of pain, but I can't feel anything at all. Like, I can't even feel the pressure of her tattoo pen or her tattoo gun on my forehead. I guess that makes sense, because there's numbing cream on it. But yeah, during that session, I <laughs> I fell asleep for like three hours mid-session because I was really, I was up late the night before and I woke up, we had a really good chat, we had dinner together, we had breakfast together, spent the day together, it was just really nice catching up and bonding with her. 
And the other best friend that in these last couple of weeks I've been able to spend time with was my best friend Jessica. Uh, we decided to have a dinner, to, or not decided, we wanted to have a dinner together before she left to Taiwan because she's going there for Chinese New Year to spend time with her in-laws. And it was so nice. It's just so nice seeing her out every once in a while because usually when we hang out we'll go on walks we'll go get like small bites snacks to eat we'll spend time and hang out with her baby her newborn but this time because we planned it like decently like a solid couple weeks in advance we went to a, a restaurant we were able to sit down for a long time her husband was there too but the three of us just spent so much time laughing and talking and it it really just fills my cup when I'm able to spend this kind of quality time with my best friends. And so the last two weeks have been really fucking healing in that regard. And another thing I wanted to mention is that I was really happy that with some of my personal goals, if you guys listen to the New Year's podcast, I mentioned some goals that I have for this year. And one of them was to start a business. I have made some ways in that. I'm not going to exactly share what that is yet. And I don't think I'm really going to share what it is until it really takes off. But um, I've been really happy that I've been able to dedicate some solid time to that. And I've been meeting with some people and talking to some people. And I've gotten some... Let's see, how do I say this without giving it away? I've gotten feedback and... There's been a constant positive feedback between the people that I'm working with to help bring my personal project to life. So that's been amazing. That has made me really happy. And the other thing I wanted to mention, or I guess I could update you guys on two other things. At the gym, I'm so happy that... I'm able to lift a little bit heavier again. I feel like I've been going back and forth on my gym progress in the last six months because of injuries. Like, it's always a hand injury of some sort. And previously, like at the beginning of last year, it was my middle finger that I broke. And that completely took me off of the charts for heavy gym progress for a year I would say but now after the tournament that I had back the volleyball tournament that I had back in December I sprained two tendons in my hand from crashing into one of my teammates during that ten during the tournament and I've been going to physio since it hurt quite a bit to use my left hand to even like open bottles or like to carry things for quite a while like a month and it's starting to feel slightly okay again. Like, it definitely still hurts. And I'm still going to physio for it. But now I'm using straps when I lift at all in the gym. Because just gripping anything over, like, 40 pounds really quite hurts. And I think that's great progress. Because previously, it would hurt even if I gripped, like, 20 pounds like a month ago. So I've been really happy with that. I've been able to consistently go to 
hot yoga again. I or I say again, but then I missed like a week and a half of hot yoga. So like two sessions of hot yoga. So that's been going great. And the last thing I wanted to update you guys on is I'm currently reading this book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name correct, but currently I am halfway through the book and it is such a good book. I believe online it's rated like 4.5 stars on average out of 5. And it's basically a book about three friends who they start a video game company and they became really fucking successful, but it is a little bit of a trauma story I've heard and I can, I'm guessing I can tell where this is going to go. There is romance in the book, there's adventure, it's fiction, it's a bit of slice of life and it's just really, it's a really good book so far. I'm really enjoying it. I would recommend it for sure. I've also gone back in the habit as of how many days? As of eight days ago, where I read a chapter each morning or each night. So far, it's been each morning for the last. Okay, for the first eight or five days, I did every morning. For the last three days, I've been doing night. But I just want to each day read one chapter from this book. And it's called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think. I really like it so far. I feel like it's really interesting because each day I'm able to read a short little chapter and reflect back on it or have something to think about throughout my day. And the last chapter that I read was Why Logical People Lead Better Lives in a Generation Where Passion is at a Premium. I thought this chapter was really interesting because I am somebody who believes that passion is a very great trait to have and I believe that I'm also somebody who's quite passionate in a lot of the things that I do. But albeit I think I am quite logical in some ways. Actually no. <laughs> in some ways I'm quite in some ways I'm logical, but I don't think that statement could stand alone by itself. I feel like if I were to say that statement it's a little bit more false than it is correct (laughs) because I think that I am delusionally positive sometimes and I wouldn't say that's technically logical but in this chapter there are some main points that it touches on there are some main points that it touches on and I'm just going to read some of them to you so one of the points that it says is passion tells you that you should go after what you after what you most want in life but it's never about what you want It's about what you want most. The second point it talks about is passion bases relationships on the high, logic bases relationships on the purpose. The third point is logic allows you to see objectively, passion is subjective and consuming. There is a fourth point that says logic helps you make decisions for the person you hope to be, whereas passion helps you make decisions for the person you are or were. There's a fifth point that says the passion narrative says you should strive for a life that maxes out your wildest dreams. The logic narrative says that you should strive for a life that maxes out your potential. The rest of the points are passion is born. Like there's a lot more that's being said after each of these points, but I just wanted to read some of the 
main points that it talks about. Passion is born of attachment. Logic counteracts it. Gratitude is born of logic. A happy life is born of gratitude. Purely, I really believe in that. And one of, there's a lot of points here, but I'm just going to read one last one that I think, that I thought was really interesting. And it's that a lot of people who want to pursue passion and find passionate relationships are seeking out of a place of lack. Very interesting point. Try to take something away from that, guys, if you can, or not. (laughs) Anyways, to start off this podcast, that's how I've been doing this. Just some of the little things I wanted to talk about. And let's start the podcast. Now, for this podcast, Alvin and I have picked three questions. They are the same three questions, and I believe that we are probably going to do it in the same order, but regardless if we do or not, let's fucking go. So the first question is to talk about a time where you've realized you were completely wrong. Now, when I first started thinking about my answer to this question, I personally believe that it's a good trait in somebody to be able to recognize areas where you are at fault and areas where you are quote-unquote flawed or areas where you've made mistakes. And I think that if you were to ask somebody, tell me about a bad quality you have or somewhere you could improve, everyone should be able to say something. I personally have things that I can say, but when I was thinking about answering this question specifically, where I were to answer, think of a time where you were completely wrong. The word completely makes it a lot more stronger of a lesson, I feel, that I should have taken away. And so it should invoke a larger story. And it was kind of interesting when I was thinking of some of the things that have taught me where I was (laughs) by my sentence. When I was thinking about this, I thought of a few stories that I could tell where the lesson was that I was completely wrong. But it's kind of funny how I've been really transparent on this podcast. But when it comes to saying, telling some stories where I'm completely wrong, some of these stories I feel like are just actually a little bit too personal because they, I have to put in a little bit too much detail in order to tell the lesson, if that makes sense. But there is one that I think tells a story that I repeatedly tell myself the I repeatedly think about the lesson for and I think it's like a core lesson I've learned in life and something that I would want to continuously preach or keep in mind and this is how the story goes so I feel like if you guys have been listening since back in the day when this podcast was first starting or some of our earlier episodes maybe not I don't know you would probably hear me tell some stories about how back in like high school, me and my mom would fight a whole bunch or like growing up, me and my mom have had quite the history of arguing. And this is one of the bigger takeaways that I've gotten from that. And I think one of the things that's contributed to why we don't argue anymore. So there was this time during high school I would say I think it was like 
grade 11, end of grade 11, where my mother and I were definitely on two different sides of the coin or whatever the fuck that phrase is, where we were always at each other's throats, always screaming, yelling, always even cussing and just would get completely triggered by one another. I... My mother holds the record for the person that I've fought the most with, have been the most angry with, and have invoked the most negative emotions out of me. And during this time, there was a period when we would just fight so much and just seeing each other would just trigger something in the other person to just go off. And it got to the point where my father and my sister would have to kind of know our schedules and be weary about having us both in the house at the same time without one of them in the house as well. Because if it was just me and my mom alone in the house, then for sure if I would break out, for sure there would be like a big commotion and shit would just start and so there was this one time we had this huge fight I don't even really remember what it was about I do remember though being so aggressively upset and I guess this isn't that big of a deal or that big of a difference in how I usually respond when I'm upset like usually when I'm really angry (laughs) I get sad (laughs) in the way where I'll kind of start to cry but I think that's actually frustration I feel like most of the times when my anger gets to a certain point and if you're actually somebody close to me or the topic at hand is something that means a lot to me then it'll invoke more feelings and emotions of frustration over just purely anger and that frustration is what makes me want to cry and so During this one specific argument, I remember crying, but I was so mad that I would like squeeze my fists so hard. And this was back then when I would have like shorter nails, I would squeeze my fists so hard until like my nails would dig into my palms and I would create little cuts in my palm until they bled and I wouldn't even notice that I was bleeding. And during the same fight, I was sitting on the couch just yelling, arguing back and forth with her. And I I had my hand gripping onto my leg. And I didn't realize that I was gripping so hard that I was also making cuts into my leg. And then my mom, on the other hand, was also yelling at her top of her lungs. And her face was all red. And she just had enough. So she just walked away. And... Something about somebody just walking away when I'm talking to them and it's actually like an important conversation triggers the hell out of me, even to this day. If I'm talking to someone, they just completely dismiss me and I actually have something to say that's of value and that I need context for them from, it definitely triggers me. But I for sure now like never really get mad or it's very hard to get me upset now because I feel like so many things just isn't worth the emotional energy now but anyways back to this time 
During that argument, my mom walked away and just left. And I was so mad at that, that I called up my dad and I just told him that I was so, how frustrated I was that she just walked away and how, how it made me feel essentially. And I usually wouldn't go to my dad when I feel this frustrated in this way until he wants to come in and if he does want to come in and help remedy the situation. Otherwise, it would just be something that I would keep as something between my mom and I. But this is one of the first times when I actually like called him up and was like, this is what's happening right now. I can't deal with her. And what happened then was eventually my dad came home, my sister came home, my mom came home, and my my sister doesn't ever really deal with any of these things. But my dad was like, okay, you two need to sit down. This is fucking enough. Enough is enough. You guys have been fighting for so long. You need to sit down, work out your fucking issues, and I'm going to sit here and deal with it. I'm going to sit here and tell you guys why you guys have all these issues. I'll try to hear each of you out, and I'll try to hear both of your sides, but you know something that you both don't realize? And I was like, what? And my dad said, he was like, the reason, the exact reason, though you guys have differing opinions... The exact reason why you are so freaking frustrated is because you two are the same in this regard. And I remember once he said that, it felt like I was going to explode. (laughs) I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How can you say I am the same as this woman who's being so ridiculous? And I know my mom had the exact same reaction because she was just like, she's nothing like me. I am logical. I am all these, all these traits. And it's really interesting because the relationship that I have with my dad is completely different. And I always put a lot of value in what my dad says. And so right when he said that, I was quite stunned and offended, obviously. But because he said that, I started already thinking over it. And... It was really interesting to me that right when he said that, my reaction and my mom's reaction was the exact same. Now, I'm sure in a lot of situations, if you were in an argument with somebody, anybody really, and and a third person came in and was like, you two are the same. I'm sure both people would get some sort of negative reaction from that. But because this was my mother and I knew who she was and I could step into her shoes, but I didn't agree with her opinions. The second that my dad raised that point up, it actually changed something for me. And so after a little bit more arguing, surprisingly, that issue became null so fast because my mom and I sat there. I don't remember exactly what issue it was actually, but my mom and I sat there and we wrote on We had a sheet of paper out in front of us. My dad left at this point. We had a sheet of paper in front of us and I wrote down all the qualities that I felt like she had that were negative and contributing to the fight that were outside of her opinions. Like take her opinions away. These were the qualities that I felt like were showing whenever we argued. 
And when I wrote down those qualities, she also took a sheet of paper and wrote down the qualities that she felt like I had outside of the opinion that I had that we are fighting about. So on the sheet of paper that I wrote for my mom, I wrote down that she was stubborn. I wrote down that she always wants it her way or the highway. I also wrote down that she never really listened to another person's opinion if it was different from her own because she always felt like her opinion slightly always trumped another person's opinion until she was convinced otherwise and that she always thinks that she knows better. And the funny thing is that when my mom showed me her sheet of paper, she wrote pretty much the same fucking qualities about me that I wrote about her. And seeing this was a really big eye-opener. Because when we would argue, I would see her as the most ridiculous, most irrational person who just wouldn't listen to the other person talk and all these other things. But the fact that my dad told us that the reason why we were always butting heads was because at our core, in these ways, we had the same qualities and she highlighted the same qualities in me that I highlighted in her showed me exactly what my dad was talking about. And the fact that, hey, it's kind of like if I have these qualities, I should fucking understand it when somebody else has these qualities because I'm essentially defending my point in the same manner that she's defending her point. And it was really interesting because I saw a side of my mom for the first time that I hadn't seen before. And I feel like she also saw a side of me right at that moment that I hadn't or she hadn't seen in me before. And that was that hey, if we argue the same way, then there's just a mutual understanding of how frustrating this must be. That even though we both have differing opinions on something, that we truly just feel so passionate about our own opinions. And at the end of this, the reason why we're fighting so much and caring so much, really, is because we love each other so much. And honestly, if you really think about it, this is one lesson that I've taken, another lesson actually that I've taken away from this. And it's that I would never really argue that hard or let anything affect me emotionally to that degree if it didn't mean a lot to me. And because the person on the other side was my mom, that is why I was able to argue to that extent and be affected to that degree emotionally. So after that, small review and conversation we were actually able to kind of squash our differences and our differing opinions quite easily because I remember we just started off with okay I know you you're doing this because you really care about me but can you just understand that just because you think this this way is the way that works it's just not the way that works for me and we're both two different people and if I if I can understand deeper why you feel your opinion is a little bit better let me contrast it with why I feel like my opinion suits me a little bit better and perhaps we can find a common ground of understanding with one of one another and because we both at that point realized that at the core of this we just want a solution and that 
we both want better for the other person and both of us don't actually like fucking fighting with each other it showed me a lot about how to argue properly and really try to be more understanding of another person's perspective when you are arguing with them or even when you both just don't agree on something like you don't always have to agree in order to find a solution but I think there's always value in hearing someone out. Now, when I was younger, I used to often be put in the center as a mediator and person to blame for a lot of my parents' arguments. And I had to try and mediate and fix a lot of their fights. So I always felt like I was quite good at conflict resolution because I could help two other people fix their fights and come to a solution because I was able to do that often with my parents and I felt like it allowed me to hear two different opinions often but until that experience with my mom where I was actually in the argument itself it really showed me another perspective of when even when you're emotionally distraught and highly agitated you have to also try and think logically and not allow your emotions to get the best of you because during a lot of those fights I always felt like I was always right and that my mother just needed to understand me in order to know better And, of course, I was stubborn as hell, and I think to this day I'm quite stubborn too. But significantly more stubborn before. And until that fight, yeah, I always felt like I was right. I always felt like I knew better. And that unless my mother adhered to my opinions, then she just was incorrect. But after that fight, it really showed me that two things... I was completely wrong in a lot of ways to answer this prompt for the podcast. I was wrong in how I approached the situation and how I listened and my mentality about arguing in general. But I also learned from the situation that a lot of the traits that you find in others that you dislike are traits that you dislike in yourself or traits that you could work on in yourself. Perhaps you may be subconsciously unaware that these are traits that you carry in yourself, but when you show them once in a while, it's a trait that you don't like in yourself. And that's something else that I learned that day, that I didn't like how my mom was so stubborn. I didn't like how she wasn't that great at listening I didn't like how she was so set on her ways. And when I took the time to reflect on that, I realized that I don't really like those traits of myself too. When I'm really stubborn and to, I feel like part of the reason why people are stubborn is when they're egotistical. And I didn't really like that when I showed that in other areas of my life. Or when I thought, oh, this is my way or highway because I felt like it reflected poorly of me and that's something that I didn't want to have as a characteristic for how I want to carry myself so 
This story was the story that I wanted to tell in order to answer this question of when was the time you were completely wrong? Because I felt like when you're in a situation where you're so highly emotionally involved, you have a lot of takeaways from it. And that was a period of my life when I was the most angriest, the most hard to deal with, and the most stubborn. And I came out of it knowing that a lot of the mindset that I had and the way that I approached things were completely wrong. Like, I would not do a lot of the things that I did during that time in the conversations that I was having. And I'm just happy that, in my opinion, I've grown a little bit more mature in that way. Now, on to the second question. The second question is quite interesting. I've always been curious to hear people's opinions on it. I think it's a really interesting topic. And the question is, universal basic income. What are your opinions on it, and what are the alternatives? Now, there was a period in time when I really looked into this because I thought it was really interesting of a concept that I don't believe is regulated anywhere in the world today. And my personal opinion on it, just off the bat in general, would be that I think it's inevitable. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why universal basic income would be instilled but in my opinion the main reason why universal basic income would be instilled would be because as technology improves and advances and automation takes over a lot of menial and repetitive tasks and as the years go by menial tasks will be redefined as a task or any task that can be done by a computer or bot and I personally believe that a lot of work will be replaced by this kind of technology if this is the case then there would be less demand for people to actually work in these areas albeit I know that with technology and advanced advancements you can't always predict roles and work that will be needed in the future but i do think that for a lot of physical labor and a lot of the things that humans do regularly like answering emails handling inquiries financial things a lot of this shit can be automated and done by computers and bots And with technology improving, it'll demand less work from human beings themselves. And so those things that are being automated will create so much more extra capital for the government, for whatever businesses, that either either there'll be a huge difference in social and economic classes where the people that control all the technology or are the owners of the businesses that run those automation companies will become like super, super rich. And then the people who won't be needed for their skills, they'll either have to continuously upgrade their skills, which I think that, yes, you should continuously upgrade your skills. But I think if you're thinking about a population, it's kind of hard to rely on 
millions of people who will be placed out of work to continuously compete against one another for the scarcity of work that will be demanded of them or to go back to school and upgrade their skills. I feel like there will have to be something that will allow people to just not work as much as needed today. Now, to talk about some alternatives that are available, I feel like that's something that needs to come at this point in discussion, and that is some alternatives that there are to UBI. Now, if you are out of work because you're just not necessary, your entire industry has become moot because of technology and AI advancements, then I believe that some of the alternatives would be that your government structures their tax infrastructure differently. So I've heard about a few ways that people have theoretically created alternatives for UBI. And for this tax idea, it's that you either have a net income tax or not net income tax, negative income tax, where depending on how much a person makes, they'll be taxed differently from how much somebody makes if they make a lot more. Now, some people argue that this will create less of an incentive for people to make more money, but the idea of this is that you create a ratio that makes it so that people are taxed evenly based on how much they're making. So it's like if you think about equity versus equality, equality would be defined as an individual or a group of people that are given the same kind of resources and opportunities versus equity would say that each person is given different things based on the needs in order to reach an equal outcome. And an argument to an alternative for UBI would be that you would get taxed differently so that you would have equity versus equality. Because right now, for most governments, I believe, it's your tax based on basically equal, the theory of equality versus equity. And this difference in taxing would allow people to essentially not have to work as hard in order to get to the same place or cover their same base expenses. And that's also what universal basic income would try to cover, which is basically your basic needs. Another thing that I think would be an alternative to UBI would be something that Europe is kind of doing right now, and it's actually taxing more. So to contrast my last point where I said that you tax people differently based off of their incomes, I feel like an alternative to that would be something that Europe's doing right now, and that's how Europe has higher taxes so that and lower base salaries so that the government will support you on all your actual basic needs. And that allows people to have in Europe a way better work-life balance and people prioritize life over work over there. Like people live to work, or sorry, people work to live Versus over there versus people over in America are more known to work to live, essentially. Because people in Europe prioritize actually living and having that kind of 
work-life balance. So in order to do that, their government supports their basic needs a lot more, their basic health care a lot more, so that they can actually not stress about having to work all the time because their basic needs are met. And so a lot of their income is more secondary to whatever wants over needs that they may have. Versus here, I feel like the base driver for why people work so hard is to cover their basic needs along with their wants. But imagine if most of your basic needs are covered, then I would find that a lot of people would be a little bit more relaxed with how hard they're working for the sake of covering their basic expenses. Some studies that I've heard about UBI were that it was tested in Finland, I think in like 2016 or 2017, where people were given like 600 bucks extra a month in order to cover their basic needs and costs. And some people were worried that, or the people that argue against UBI say that, okay, if you're going to give free money away to people, then people are going to become lazy. You're going to have a very lazy society that it's not going to be driven to progress and develop and advance. You're going to increase drug problems. You're just going to be causing all this fucking trouble if you give people free money without getting them to do anything for it. But the funny thing is enough, when Finland, I was going to say when Finnish, when Finland did this test for two years, they actually had a lot of positive results from it. They found that people were in a lot better of a mood because they didn't have to worry so much about covering their basic needs. And that basic mood created like a positive feedback loop where people were more motivated to be passionate with the work that they did involve in and people wanted to allocate their time into doing things that meant more to them. So whether that be working on projects or there obviously are people who have a lot of passion in doing things such as engineering or creating or building. And these are all industries where people can work in. And so because people were less stressed about covering their basic needs, they were able to focus a lot more of their attention onto things that really drove them. And this created a positive feedback loop where it actually increased employment rates, where people were more more willing to spend their free time or more willing to put more effort into the areas where they felt rewarded them the best. And this was in areas where they could also find work or advance other industries. And this also improved people's mental health and overall satisfaction of their life so it improved the environment it improved the communities of the people who were involved in this test and i remember reading that the satisfaction that these people had with this extra 600 bucks a month was big enough to erase the dissatisfaction between people who previously weren't employed and the people who were employed, which I think is kind of crazy. I also read that for UBI, it's been tested in over 160 160 countries around the world. I think they also ran a test in Canada a couple years ago. Now, when I say a couple years ago, 
freaking COVID actually like screwed up my timelines quite a bit. I would say maybe like five years ago or so. And almost every single test that they've run UBI on has come back with positive results. I believe that the longest run UBI test was done in Kenya back in 1980s. And so I personally think that UBI would be great. But also another alternative to UBI would, at this current moment, I think that UBI isn't ready for the workforce and work demand that we have today. But I think something that's actually better is UBE. And I think that at the moment, if we were to this is just an idea, guys. At the moment, to implement UBE would be a great first step in order to eventually implement UBI if that is something that is needed. Now, UBE is Universal Basic Employment. And I think that's fucking great because we have so many people in the world and there's so many things that need to be done anywhere, anything. And so you could probably find somebody to do something. And everyone would probably want to do something and have a sort of purpose or something to do in their lives. And so for those people that are like struggling to find a job, but they do want a job, I think that a concept such as UBE, Universal Basic Income, would be great at the moment until we have no need for as much physical demand for people. That is my stance on UBI and all the things to do with UBI. I think it's a really interesting concept and something that could really revolutionize the world. I can see both the cons and the pros for it, but I think I am definitely a little bit more on the pros just because I can see, or in my opinion, I can see how it can really transform people's way of life and how it can really change the dynamic of how the workforce is handled in today's world. Now, on to our last question. The last question is, should testing on animals be illegal? My answer generally is yes. (laughs) I think it is so freaking cruel. If you guys were to actually, like, do it at your own risk. But I think it's really nice to be aware of just how cruel these processes can be on these animals like it's not cute and like i'm sure anyone who thinks about what animals could be going through when they're put to test cosmetics or test products just all the horrible shit that could happen to them but i don't think you really know until you're really in it and i wouldn't even say that i know but if you want to know Take a quick deep dive. I say quick and then I say deep dive right after. But take a little look at what... I know they... I don't... Okay. I was going to say I know they really exaggerate some of the clips. But honestly, if the clip exists, then can it really be exaggerated? But if you guys want to take a look at like some of the things that L'Oreal does to their animals. I did a whole project on this back in uh, sometime like junior high I think on what L'Oreal does 
in order to test on their animals. It's fucking horrific. Super horrific. And it made me want to go vegan. And I tried going vegan, actually, for like two months at the beginning of high school. And it was so rewarding in the time that I did it. But it was also so fucking hard. (laughs) Because I also didn't do enough research, clearly, to really set myself up with knowledge on how to be a vegan properly. But I think it's also a little bit too difficult for what I'm willing to do for it. The guilt that I had for eating meat and using products that were from L'Oreal and all that stuff, basically anything that would lead or contribute to the harm of animals, I just... Uh, it tore my heart apart and it led me to try and become a vegan for two weeks but guys it's so hard to find things that don't have animal byproducts in it and to find food that doesn't even have like fucking eggs or milk or honey or anything in it holy shit that was hard as fuck and then because i wasn't well equipped in knowing how to be a vegan i was tired all the time all the fucking time Like, I would not last a day without taking two naps. And that was absurd to me. So, that's why my vegan journey only lasted two months. But, anyways. My basic answer for if animals should be tested on would be no. I think it is so cruel. These animals are just babies. They're just babies. I'm just a baby. They didn't ask to be treated on like that. Like, when I was doing that project where I had to research on L'Oreal and what they do to test on animals and just how the whole procedure and industry is like, it's really fucking cruel. Because if you think about it, yes, people, yes, these companies probably have like base compounds that they use that should relatively be safe. Obviously, like, the test batches have to be tested on something. And when they test it on animals that could have a reaction, it's so sad what happens to these animals. Like, they don't even know what's happening to them. All they do is feel the pain or feel the reaction, and they don't get freedom. They don't get to go eat whatever they want. They don't get to run on a field and, like, have fun with their little bunny friends or their little rat friends or whatever friends. They just sit there and get locked in a cage and just get doused with all the shit that reacts to them like imagine if you were kidnapped somebody locks you in a cage and just kept putting like these random chemicals on you just to see how you would react and if it got really bad then maybe they'll help you fix it and maybe they'll put a band-aid on on you but otherwise like you're one in a eight billion people they'll just find another one to test on and just let you die and suffer like that like, that's exactly what's happening to them, and it's so fucking sad. Ugh, so, so sad. And these animals go blind, their skin falls off, they go under immense stress and anxiety for a long period of time. They become so sick, and they don't know why. They just think this is just how life is. And this is, I'm just being treated this way just because. And it's so freaking sad. It's so sad. So, so, so sad. And sometimes it's just done repeatedly. 
like, okay, this product didn't work on your face. This monkey's face, this rabbit's face didn't work on your fur. Oh no, it's burning your fur. Okay, we'll, we'll patch test this side. Maybe this side will be better with this formulation. But then, oh no, this formulation gives you a rash or it gives you blisters. Oh no, it's necrotizing. Oh no, it's causing you to have an increased heart rate. It's going through your bloodstream. It's causing you to be blind. You're losing your fur. You're having a rash. You're getting hives. You're getting pustules, blisters. It's, it's fucking cruel, honestly. And I think that there is definitely like a blind aspect to it where, of course, I'm pretty sure I probably have products that I use that where the company tests on animals. And I definitely think that there's a naivety to it where it's kind of like, okay, if I don't look into this, then I won't feel that bad about it. But I do think that it's very wrong. And I do think that it's very cruel. Some alternatives that I think are better to that are, okay, you guys have heard me talk about AI and robots and how I am somebody that is like pro-robot, pro-AI. If aliens come to this earth and try and take over the planet, then I'm like, do what you need to do. I just want to see how cool it would be for technology to advance where technology can go where all this ai advancements go freaking show me what technology looks like in a thousand years i think that is more fascinating than essentially if somebody were to talk about ai versus humans preserving human life in that way like don't get me wrong i'm like i like love people okay but like you know this is my opinion And so an alternative to testing on animals, I would say, is to do fucking paid case studies, paid trial studies, where you pay people who are willing to, who are giving you that consent that the animals aren't able to, to go through these trials. You get them to sign whatever waiver, whatever consent form tell them that these are some potential factors and let them make the decision for themselves for whether they want to participate in this case study in this trial study get let them get paid for it because so that they have an incentive so that they get something out of running these trials for you say you are a company that's wanting to create a new lipstick formulation but you need to make sure that it is safe for human use before you mass produce it and bring it to the market okay create a case study for it put out a public call for it ask for 500 participants say hey we want to test out if this new lipstick formulation is safe for people these are the ingredients that we're going to put in it This is the outcome that we want from it. These are possible side effects. These are the people who should not sign up for this case study because we think that these ingredients will react highly to, say, somebody who's allergic to silicones or somebody who is allergic to this certain chemical or whatever, all that stuff. 
these are the people who we would prefer to have in our case studies from this, this age range to this age range. This is how much we are paying for you to be a part of our case study to help us do these mock human trials. And are you willing to do it or not? And this will allow people to actually give you permission to test on them if they want to versus the animals who don't have that ability to give that sort of consent. Also, this could also run for medication. But for medication, I think there's actually a better way. And in general, actually, I think there's a better way before you do these case trials. And the better way is to have something called organs on chips. I thought this was so cool when I first read about it a long time ago. And it is where you put some human cells on little devices, little chips, and they can be used instead of testing on animals. They're like little testing strips or little chips that contain, that contain human cells or human tissues on it so that you can essentially put your product, put your medication, put your new formulation, your chemicals or whatever the fuck onto one end of the strip and you can watch how it reacts to the basic human cells or human tissues or cultures that are on that dish. So obviously, if it reacts negatively to these crucial human cells, you would not fucking put a human towards it. You would not open up a human case study for it and have humans willingly test for it. Then you'll have so many people like get hurt from it. Even if people are willing to do it and give you their consent for it, I think there should be some sort of responsibility to not be like, hey, this is a bottle of pure acid. We want to test just how bad it is for human beings, okay? I'm sure there's people that would be like, eh, it's probably not that bad. Probably. I'll probably be okay. They drink it and they'll fucking die, okay? Like, that shit should not be put out there. That shit, if you want to test something like that or a product that could be as risky as that, you do that on one of these organs on chip things. And I think that is such a way cooler way to do it. It's so much more cooler, so much more progressive and accurate in terms of what it could affect because all the humans that are, okay, in a way, actually, all the humans that are volunteering to do these human mock trials, they all have different bloods. Their systems are all made differently. Their DNA is all different. So you have so many more, so many different variables to take into consideration when running the diagnostic for how well this product is and how well your formulation is. Versus if you started it off by testing your formulation, testing your product, testing your medication on one of these organs on chips, and at least you get the groundwork covered for whether this can be okay for the basic health of a human being in general because you're taste you're testing it on human tissues human cells cultures that are consistent and in every single human something similar to this would be testing it on stem cells so you put somebody's stem cells you get a bunch of different stem cells on a, when i say a bunch i mean enough to do like a decent population for a test, you put 500, 1,000 people's stem cells onto different Petri dishes and you essentially 
tests on those petri dishes. But I don't think that this test actually yields as great of a result as if you were to test on these organs on chips because the cells don't actually predict just how big of an impact the formulation can have on a human being because they are stem cells that have to be incubated for a period of time in an environment that's different from what human beings stem cells would be subjected to in a body. Another thing that I think is possible, I'm pretty sure it's probably possible, is to fucking run computational models on this, run mathematical models, do non-invasive AI imagery to run these tests, see how it would run on a digital model. Just let it run. Run fucking a a thousand iterations of this. Run 5,000 iterations on this. You should get a decent result or information to start going off of your next test based off of these models and all of this can done before you freaking put a funnel formulation on a poor little bunny or poor little rabbit or or any other animal or mice mice are so fucking intelligent goodness just no testing on animals guys it's really not necessary we have the fucking technology for it Let's stop using these archaic, torturous methods just for the sake of humans when we could do it in a better way. Something that's a little bit more humane and nicer for all these little babies. But yes, no testing on animals, guys. Now, that is my opinion. Those are my opinions on these three topics I actually am really curious for any of you that are listening to hear about your opinions too. hear about what you guys think is one time when you were completely wrong. What was your takeaway from it? What is the story behind that? How impactful was that lesson on you today? I want to know what your thoughts are for UBI. I genuinely think this is genuinely, not generally, I genuinely think that The concept of UBI is a very interesting topic to debate and just hear different people's opinions on it. That's the same as I think it's really interesting to hear people's debates on abortion. Like, okay, this isn't one of the questions, but I also think abortion is very interesting. I know that a lot of people will say like, okay, it's pro-life or it's all within your choice. But I feel like the little nuances or like case scenarios is what makes this an interesting topic to debate on. Like, say say that you got impregnated because you were, okay, kind of fast and dark, but pretend you got, okay, don't pretend you got, but say somebody got raped and that caused them to be pregnant. Okay, should that lady have to bring that baby to term? If they were, like, say they were in a state that banned abortion, how cruel is it to have that lady bring that baby to term if that baby were to remind her of her rapist? Or say that, like, she was in a place that allowed her to have an abortion should what do you think about her having that abortion what if she always wanted a kid and say she was only able to have a kid one time in her life during this during her medical exams she finds out that this is the only baby that she'll ever be able to have should she be able to have this baby should like all those what are they calling it parental fees or child oh child support should she ask for child support if it's a rapist and the the 
say she files a case with her local police and her local police are inept or lazy or they just don't have the work to follow suit with this case and there's a liability charge there like who is supposed to support her with the child support things should she even get it like there's so many things that are I won't even say my opinion on all of this but I think it's a really interesting thing to debate and something that Okay, this wasn't one of the questions, but it would also be something that I would be interested in hearing if anyone has any opinions on this or would like to debate this with me. That being said, for our last question, I also really want to hear about your guys' opinions on animal testing. If anyone says, yeah, fuck yeah, animal testing, I want to know why. And I kind of want to disagree with you. (laughs) But that being said, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. It's always a little bit fun to do my own solo podcast it's really different from being able to bounce ideas off of alvin if i were to guess how his podcast side went i would i really don't know what story he's going to tell for the one time that he found that he was completely wrong if i were to guess his stance on ubi i would guess that he's a little bit mixed and a little bit against it actually because I know that he's a very like forward driven person in terms of active work in that way. And I think that for him, he would just lean on more of the side that goes either against UBI or something that's a little bit less black and white. I don't know how to explain it. If I were to guess his stance on animal testing, yeah, don't animal test, okay? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be like, yep, yeah, fuck that shit. Like, (laughs) it's not a big deal. I'm sure he would support against animal testing if he could. Anyways, that being said, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. It's been a slice. I hope you guys like Alvin's sector of the podcast and how he answers all the questions. And I hope you guys really enjoy my opinions. If you guys had any comments or questions or any just anything that you want to inquire about, feel free to message me or Alvin. We both really get a lot of reward or it really fills our cups when we hear people talk about the podcast and their opinions about it or just their opinions on things that we talk about on the podcast so it'd be really nice to hear back and yeah have a great week guys it is chinese new year's but i'm not sure it'll be chinese new year's when this gets posted but i hope you guys enjoy have a great weekend stay happy and stay safe Bye bye